Welcome to the Unmanly Manly Podcast with Frank and Sergio. I'm Frank. And I'm Sergio. And we're here to talk about our experiences in many areas of our lives. We're just two dudes sharing our perspectives. Yeah, we may not be experts, but we have strong opinions that might resonate with you. So today we're going to be talking about sex. Yeah. What else would we call this? Bumping and grinding. Feed the kitty. Slamming the clam. Going balls deep. Lust and thrust. Fucking. Slapping cheek. Slapping cheeks. Slapping cheeks. Having relations. Making the beast with the two backs. Making babies. Crushing sniz. Busting jizz. (laughs) (laughs) Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Porkin. Dapping that ass. Shuck the oyster. The mattress mambo. Mm. Butter the biscuit. Plowing. Hanky panky. The no pants dance. Stir the upskirt yogurt. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's so weird. Oh my god. <laughs> so much. So we could much. not do that with a straight face. Oh hell no. Imagine just rattling all these things off. We can't even Alright, so we did that. So basically, we're talking about having sex. And uh as men, this is tricky. Very, very tricky. Because I don't know about you, but as a young age I was exposed to the idea of sex, having sex, relationships, how to have it. The right way, quote unquote, to have it. Exposure to porn. Exposure to stupid movies that tell you, like, this is how it's supposed to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? They're like, all these, like, weird expectations around sex that, like, most of them don't, aren't even real. Yeah, it conflates love with lust, with Abuse? relationships, all, all that stuff. Like, some, like, especially if we go back to the 80s, some of those movies are pretty rapey. Yeah, they are. Um, and stalkerish and weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad examples, bad role models. Yeah, exactly. So it screwed us up. I mean, it wasn't until like I was in my twenties that I started to like realize that the way that sex was portrayed to me was like unhealthy, weird, and it had nothing to do with like satisfying your partner, and more to mm. do with just like power, dominance, and just getting yours. Shit, don't get me wrong. Like I wanted to please my partner and i tried to look things up and do some research and also talk to my partner about these things but it's like even then like i had so much conditioning just from exposure alone mm-hmm. from what i saw on tv and what i heard from like my friends too because yeah you know as boys growing up like we'll talk about sex but it's like we act like we know but we don't know anything that yeah and that's like when you suspect the other kid knows more than you there's an intimidation factor mm-hmm. and that you're like Oh, I got to pretend that I know this. Yeah. If not, then I'm going to look bad and I'm going to be ridiculed. And it's like, dude, like this is already a tricky area for a lot of people. And everybody has their preferences and everybody has some exploring to do, depending your age and all of that. But it's like there's no one size fits all. And also it's kind of weird to like brag about sex looking back. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I had sex and I did this and I did that and I did this. And it's like, nowadays it's like, I don't even want to talk about what I'm doing with my partner to other people. Yeah. You know, it's nothing to, for me to brag about. It's more like this is a very intimate, private thing. And it becomes much more about like vulnerability and connection and communication and understanding. And before it was like, it came with pride. Oh, I'm a man now because I'm having sex. And if I'm single, I want to have sex with as many girls as possible. But that's like a toxic approach to something that is one, not just about you or me, right? And two is like something closer to like sacred in terms of like, how you you and your partner are allowing yourself to be this close and this vulnerable and this open. Yeah. Well, I, and I can speak on another side of it, not from my own personal point of view at all, because I'm I'm with you on, on how you just spoke of it. But there is another side where it's just some people are comfortable playing around. Mm-hmm. And I think where it's not toxic is if both parties understand and agree that this is not going to go anywhere that it's just a one-eight stand or or your friends with benefits something like that and for me because of my catholic guilt you know growing up and so much fear impressed upon me of like diseases and all sorts of stuff like no sex before marriage kind of talk from mom especially and uh you know that that just never worked for me there's still something psychologically in me that keeps me from going forward with anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to this day, no. And given my current circumstances, that's not a likely circumstance that I'll ever run into. So, and I, I'm okay with that, though. Yeah, I'm okay with it because I, I do see things as as a mutual thing, as opposed to this one sided, very male dominated area. Mm-hmm. Which is why that you do have another side of women who look to dominate other men. And other men will allow that. Right. Want you know? to be dominated. Want yeah. to be submissive. But it, the, the tables are not as, as equal on right. that. So there is that aspect. And, you know, going into like how sex has changed and the idea of like relationships and all that, like polyamory. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people growing up in my generation or like younger, like it's becoming more and more popular to have a polyamorous life or they're calling it responsible non-monogamy where it's like you're not monogamous with anyone but at the same time you're treating them with human decency and um i dabbled in it for a bit when i was single because i mean as a dude i'm like oh great this Mm -hmm. is this is fantastic and then i came across that same thing where it's like wow like it just feels like i have more than one girlfriend that's a lot of responsibility for me to handle given that that's not something that like i grew up believing or aspiring to be is more something i wanted to try but like that kind of like opened my eyes to what i was talking about earlier where it's like yeah i mean you can fuck around you can have your one night stands but i guess when i'm talking about like the toxicity when i'm talking about like the unhealthy aspects of it it's like the whole objectification of women and where the respect is missing where it's like i want to have sex and i don't care about your feelings i don't care about whether or not you're pleased. I don't care about whether or not you're even enjoying my company. I just want to be able to get laid. And yeah. then that becomes a problem. It, it's the whole concept of, of scoring. Yeah. And that, that notch on your belt. It's pretty gross from my perspective. And I, I'm sure there's still men out there that disagree with that. That think it's like, you I'm having bro. yeah, I'm having fun. I'm getting my dick wet. And that's and all I'm that matters. i tell the boys about yeah. it. Yeah. And... I didn't grow up with that kind of, I mean, some aspect of it, but as I've gotten older and can look back, 
there was a lot of bullshit in that. Yeah. And it's just like we were saying before, there's a lot of just talk. Yeah. But not a lot of actual experience going on. Yeah. And then some things were just like, I don't know, like you're okay with this? Like there there was some like fucked up shit going on that was very disrespectful and I, I just didn't want any part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would not participate in those conversations. And on top of which with with everything I had going on, just for me, mm-hmm. I think between the Catholic guilt and that kind of stuff going on, I was already repressed, but this even like held me back even further and made me even later of a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because then it was just like, what do I do? Right. What's expected of me? Right. But I will say, growing up, there was a radio show called Love Lines, which I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of. Mm. If you're of a certain age, for sure. Okay. Like even my girlfriend heard of it and we, we talked about it and like, it's how I learned how to do certain things to to a lady because this was a female sex psychologist. Mm. I think Adam Carolla was was like the other person in the room mm. just for like comic relief. Okay. And some insight too. And it was a great show. And it would be late night. I think Z one hundred had it on and that would be like while well, I was supposed to be sleeping. I'm like fourteen, thirteen, maybe like fifteen, sixteen, mm-hmm. listening to this stuff. So I had this education, this knowledge, and no one did practice this on her right. with, rather. <laughs> Just and, like this reservoir of knowledge. But it, but it ended up like I never forgot it and took that into adulthood when I was finally dating and having sex and all that stuff. And um, yeah, and, and the inadequacies were just my own insecurities. Mm-hmm. There were no inadequacies. Mm-hmm. I think because I was always a communicator because I was always looking to please sometimes in a way that was not healthy, you know, where it's just like their pleasure came before mine at all times. Mm -hmm. And and to be honest, like for the most part, my thinking on it was like, I'm having sex. So no matter what, this is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. It's like, it's not even the quality. It's just like we having sex and this is already amazing. So Fuck it. But it's funny because it's like when I was a kid, coming from like a Latin household, sex is talked about. Very casually, like just sex is just talked about. And then in my neighborhood, everything is about sex. So it's like I had this pressure as a kid to learn as much as I could and to try to understand as much as I can before I had sex the first time. Because my biggest fear as a kid was it'll be my first time will be terrible. The girl's going to hate it. They're going to talk about me. And all of a sudden, I'm just an embarrassment. So... Way too much pressure for someone so young. Mm -hmm. And then, you know how I tried to learn and what my research consisted of? What's that? Porn. Just, yeah. Just watching porn and watching the positions and seeing how the guy treated the woman and da-da-da-da-da. And I also looked up stuff online, but as a little kid, I mean, what type of research skills did I have? I I, I, I mean, like, my online searches was sex.com. Like, there was no actual, like, real research strategy being applied there. So, when the first time came around, it was just like, oh my god, this is happening. Oh my god. It's just so much significance and emphasis to this moment. And I had a great time. I enjoyed it. And I was very, very happy, partly for some of the wrong reasons. And... It's funny because like sometime later, you know, I asked my girlfriend at the time about my first time with her and um, she was like, oh, no, I didn't enjoy it. And that just crushed me. I was like, what? I thought it. I thought you liked it. I thought it was good. I did all the things. And it's just like, no. And it's like 
Well, yeah, because I was taking notes off of something that isn't even a realistic portrayal of sex right. or of healthy sex between two people. So it's like, then what? Oh, communication. Oh, trying to understand the other person's bodies and what their buttons are and things like that. And, and I was too immature and eager and also way too addicted to just the climax of it all. So, you know, I continued having sex and I would try to please them, you know, all the things that you can do. But there was no real communication. So it's like I thought I was doing a great job, but honestly, I didn't know. Yeah, I was just walking around thinking I was the man. And like I said, like in my 20s, then I start to actually like have more conversations around preferences and what they like and what I want and da da da. And I realized that I was at a huge deficit there because I had never communicated these type of things except for like just basic, oh, I want to have sex. And when I started actually having these conversations, I started to realize, holy shit, I don't know what to ask for. Yeah. I just know that once it gets going, I'll try to do this, this, and that. But like, I never knew how to actually articulate what I wanted when I wanted. And then also realizing that there's so many intricacies in a woman's pleasure system, right? Like, so there's that communication too. So I started to realize that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had to like really learn how to communicate, which is like basically the foundation of being able to actually have good sex with somebody. And that's when I started to feel the vulnerability. That's when I started to feel the insecurities. That's when I started to feel like the nervousness and coming face to face to the misconceptions of what I thought sex was supposed to be. And then realizing that it's just this whole world of anything can really go as long as y'all can agree upon what it is that y'all want to do when you're having sex and learning more about my body and learning more about how to ask for these things and then getting over the awkwardness and discomfort of verbalizing things in the heat of passion, which I had a lot of trouble just like accepting that as the proper way to approach sex with somebody, especially if it's like you're starting a new relationship or you're having sex with someone for the first time or so. Like to be able to say these things and be comfortable saying these things and not lose the quote unquote magic of the moment is like, that's its own process. And that's when I was starting to realize like, oh, now I see how a lot of guys can be toxic in the way that they approach sex. Because in terms of toxicity, it's common for a lot of men to not be able to actually communicate themselves effectively. So you translate that to the bedroom where there's all this pressure to perform well. Yeah. And our pride is tied to our performance to make it so that the woman comes out saying that we're great at sex Mm -hmm. and then realizing that there's so much to learn. And there's a lot of moments for people who haven't had the practice where they're there just trying to understand how to even articulate their needs. And then that becomes like a whole thing. So, yeah, it's like we were just misled. (laughs) And... I mean, then there's the whole birds and the bees conversation, which is a whole minefield. <laughs> and that's so funny because my mind went straight to that. Yeah. Because of, I remember my dad having that conversation with my brother and I, which was a few years too late. Like, we we knew. <laughs> we, we already had health education, but we're like teenagers. I think at that point, we're already learning how to drive. Mm. It's like, dude, like, you should have had this with us like five, six years ago. Yeah. Parents out there who are listening, like, whatever you think is the right age to have a talk with your children, just, like, subtract five, six years, and that's actually the age. Because they're probably talking about it with their friends already or watching it online. Yeah. Especially now. I think the earlier, the better, just in the sense of, like, while, you know, while your child is cognizant and aware and 
certainly prepubescent, but just like on the cusp of that, you know, don't wait any longer than that. And, it, and it's honestly, it's an easier conversation than you think because growing up for me, I, I, and I don't know if this is indicative of everyone's experience, so I'll just claim it as my own, but we were talking about sex in third grade. How old are you in third grade? Like seven, eight years old? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'll show you mine if you show me yours, kind of like things going on in the cloakroom. Yeah. You know, and it was just bizarre. And like, hey, I just saw Kim. Kim just, she just took her pants down. She's wearing see-through panties. I'm like, <laughs> what? Which was probably all bullshit, but... Who knew? Like, there was yeah. so much weird shit going on in that classroom. <laughs> and at that age, you just believe anything. We're, and we're just curious. Yeah. And we're not doing anything. No. Nothing and, bad was happening, but it was just, like, we're refining our curse words, and and all that is just sort of lumped in together. So of course, yeah. So we're already having our own misinformed talks amongst ourselves. So, and that, like I said, that's seven, eight, and hormones aren't really a thing at that point mm. to my ignorant knowledge of that because I'm not a biologist. I'm not, I don't know anything. <laughs> but I will say that my experience that was happening, it wasn't to an unhealthy degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I d- didn't feel scarred by it. I didn't feel advanced by it at all like i never ended up being promiscuous or doing anything wrong to anyone so take that for what it's worth right but i think the education from an actual adult needs to happen early enough because that will lead your child to have a healthier sex life it's important and it's important to have comfort in talking about it i mean right now i'm uncomfortable talking about this in this podcast i am not kidding like sergio came to me about this i'm like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) we had a conversation before recording this yes yeah so i'm just letting it go and i'm just having the conversation Uh, i'm going to share as much as i can about this but you know these these things are no problem for me and I, i know that as i was starting to say with my dad like it was just like to me and my younger brother who's only a year younger and it went like this and this is my typical impression of my dad well i know you're not gay but uh you know if uh if either of you get a girl pregnant just take care of it and i don't know what he meant by that to this day because my dad used to be a priest Mm -hmm. so in modern terms, take care of it could mean abortion, but I don't think he meant that. I mean, I think he meant like raise take care, it. raise the kid, and like be the father and, and take responsibility. Don't run away from the responsibility. I think that's what he meant. Right. But yeah, that's all he said. <laughs> that is all he said. That was my birds and bees conversation. I don't think I had one with my parents. <laughs> well, I might as well not have. Yeah. Okay. No, my dad tried to talk to me about it. And for me, it was awkward because he was really trying to give me advice on how to do things. Like how to caress a woman, how to approach them, what I should do, what to look for. And I, I You was, had more of a head start than I did. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. I was like, I don't want this conversation. I don't want you to talk to me about this thing. I want somebody else to tell me about this. The last thing I wanted was a family member to talk to me about this. Mm. And I agree that as kids, we should have gotten some actual guidance early enough. You know, my first sex ed talks at school was in high school and I already had Oh, really? Sex. Yeah. And by then I already had sex. Yeah. Know? I already lost my virginity. I already had my, like my first sexual relationship. It was just like, all right, this is way too late. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? agreed. Uh, for us, it was fifth grade. Oh, 
And they were, they were showing us stuff that I don't think we were ready for yet. Like STDs. Oh, yeah. Like, we were not ready for that stuff. That, that's, that was scary, kid. It, I mean, that that was just keeping us prohibited from ever having sex. It's like, oh, this is what what's going to happen. My dick's going to fall off. I'll just be a no, virgin. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Which ended up being my case for, you know, too long. But, yeah, that all being said, I, I think it is important to, to have some sort of education around it. And I do mean that word, education. Yeah. Not just some fly by the city your pants talk yeah that goes nowhere or something about like how to pick up chicks or something like that yeah none of those are appropriate you don't even have to talk about the penis goes in the vagina blah 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 that's just stupid kids know this by then yeah but you can just talk about the relationships you can talk about you know as a parent be vulnerable and show by example how that communication will be key to your relationship you know, and then once again, you know, we have a theme here of like not raising a piece of shit. So yeah. I think that's another way to do that. Yeah. And you would be contributing to the lives of so many people through your child by having these conversations. Yeah. And just like sitting here, just thinking about it, like we certainly are talking about this from the male perspective, which is important. Yeah. We're um, definitely missing the female perspective. Yeah, for sure. And that's fine for now because I think it's important, especially this day and age, the way things are going. It's important to talk about the male perspective because to deconstruct the toxicity and all that stuff is to talk about it and locate where it all comes from. Right. And get it out there. And then, okay, where can we begin fresh and new where this is going to work? And we don't know the answers. Yeah. We just know what we experienced and we know how to get to A and then to Z, but we don't know all the the details between those two letters. Yeah. We have to be lucky to have been with somebody who was able to actually tell us or give us feedback. Yeah. You know, and work with us. But like, again, that's also something that isn't very common due to the problems that we, people face as a result of all of these misconceptions around sex and the toxicity around sex that men bring to the table so it's like this could be something where even amongst men talking to each other about sex like being able to actually talk about it in a way that's healthy where instead of it being like talking about it as if they were accolades in terms of how many women we had sex or or even the acts we've done with women Mm -hmm. right to talk about it in terms of what it actually is having sex with another human being and all of the other things that come with it that men don't like to talk about, which is, you know, the uncertainty, the nervousness, the, the trying to please, the, the feelings of discomfort and not being the greatest lover ever. You know what I mean? But like also trying to understand how we can be a better partner, whether it's a monogamous relationship or fling or polyamory, whatever it is. We need healthier conversations around sex. And, you know, also having a female's perspective will color that because for people who have sex with women, it's literally the missing piece. Mm -hmm. Getting that perspective helps complete this whole conversation. And it also helps complete the perspective on what sex is for each person. I was so like ashamed of myself and embarrassed that that actually prepared me to be a better lover because I would always ask questions Mm -hmm. because I was like, I don't know anything <laughs> Please teach and me. yeah uh, and, but it, it grew into you know after the, the, f- the first couple of you know women it grew into this thing of like oh this actually works mm-hmm. when i ask them they're not embarrassed to give me the answer 
And that has 100% been the case. Mm. So I think there may have, maybe for some guys, there is the embarrassment of like, if I ask her a question, she's going to think I'm a jackass. Or you don't know anything. Yeah. Then she's going to make fun of me and laugh in my face and then bop, 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 bop. Right. whatever. But no, I think if, especially if you're with someone that's cool, you know, that is a good person, they'll be with you and, and be vulnerable with you because it is a very vulnerable moment. Yeah. You know, I'm going to jump tracks here a second, but I'm just surprised that like I was always comfortable being naked in front of a woman. I it just, it, you know, the, the action of it, it just never occurred to me. Like, I'm so uncomfortable being naked around people mm-hmm. in general, but like with a woman that I'm going to have sex with. Yeah. No problem. I mean, it's kind of a prerequisite, but. Of course. Unless you're just going to have pants on all the time. Just a never nude. <laughs> just a never nude. Just use the fly and that's it. I don't know if that's a copywritten term, but you know. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's crazy. Growing up, I, I wasn't uncomfortable being naked and it wasn't until I got older. The same time when I started to realize like how much I didn't know and how much communication is involved and how much vulnerability is involved. When I actually start to become aware of it and actually feel it myself, that's when I actually start to feel more self-conscious about my body. Because then it's like now I'm actually very concerned about my partner's opinions on the matter, my partner's preferences in the matter. I mean, like I say it and it sounds terrible. It's like, uh, yeah, there wasn't a conversation. So now that I'm aware that we need to talk about these things and we need to discover these things and explore these things. And I think that's another place where porn is very destructive. Yeah. Because, again, it, it puts up these ideals that are unrealistic. Yeah. And the scenarios themselves are just ridiculous, too. It's like, what the fuck? They're, they're so stupid. <laughs> they are. Um, I was actually reading a Reddit thread around asking women what they would like to see in porn. Mm-hmm. And they said all these different things, and it's like, wow, this actually sounds amazing. For one, realistic scenarios. Two, uh, foreplay, actual foreplay leading up to all of that. Actual flirting, not dominating, uh, proper fingering, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, men moaning, which is also like you watch porn, it's just men grunting, like they're cavemen. Or talking, and like, yeah. no one should be talking. No. I mean, if you like to talk during sex, that's That's cool. different. I'm talking about porn specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, weird. Just stop like the whatever jibber-jabber you got going on there. It's, it's just distracting. Yeah. Just stop it. And the <laughs> I'm putting that out there for myself. Like, please stop. <laughs> if one of you is a porn director, please listen to us. Um, <laughs> no, I think, no, talking during sex, and I just want to make sure that's clear, is great. It is like not having like a full-on conversation, but... On topic of with what is going on right there, like what we're saying before with asking questions, like mm-hmm. does this feel okay? Are you comfortable? But not too much, but not none at, at the same time. Right. And I think there is certainly a level that works. You will know. There's nothing to be nervous about. And and if you are talking too much, she will let you know. And you don't need to feel embarrassed. Just correct yourself. That's it. Yeah. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ego does a damage when it comes to sex because... It can make the difference between just being in a moment and enjoying your partner and just like cutting right through the passion, right through the lust and all of that. And just like stopping and killing the mood just because you feel your ego was hurt because of maybe they gave you some feedback or they asked you to do something differently. And then you taking it as like, oh, they're saying that you're bad at sex. And it's no, it's like there's all of these things you got to learn. And um, it's funny because... I was thinking about like when it comes to communication and learning how to communicate and all that. And I'm remembering 
this thing that I was holding on to, this hang up that I had, where it's like, nah, sex should be where it's like, you kind of just intuitively know what each person wants and you're in the moment and you just feel it out. And I'm just like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is so stupid. How are you going to know? Right? Yeah. Like, even as you grow older and you become more experienced and maybe you come across a partner who is very, uh, where you have a lot of chemistry and you're able to like kind of just get each other. There's still going to be a moment of discovery of like exploring, of understanding. So it's like, yeah, you can't side skirt that. It's only going to be to the detriment of really enjoying that moment. Yeah. Again, it's, it's a big communication. Even the feelings are a communication. It's all there. And it's so funny, like you were talking before about like the female perspective on porn and what they would like to see. Like, I'll be honest, that's the kind that I kind of like the most because it is erotic. It is where I get off because I'm a sensitive person. And like this stuff where it's just like you're saying, like all dominant and all that stuff. There is something to it, Mm -hmm. but I find it difficult to get into it because it's just it's too aggressive in a lot of cases. Right. And it's just this woman is not even a woman anymore she's just a just the sex toy basically yeah and that's ceases to be sexy to me Mm -hmm. you know it's got to be a real woman that's really there really seems like she's into it and there's a quietness to it there is a less of a production to Mm -hmm. it yeah that's the performance the performance piece yeah yeah and and you know this is not just like specific to men like there is a lot about the way society focuses on sex where it's like it ends up feeling like you have to have this performance you know what i mean like i've known of some women who would mimic the voices you hear in porn that women make like mm-hmm. a high nasally and like all of that and the <laughs> things they would say and it's like that's not necessary it's it really off-putting isn't. it is it is so bad you know and look you know what i mean like there, there are folks out there who like it there are folks that that are down with it you know me personally like there's, there's an aspect of the aggressiveness of it that's appealing, but there has to be a balance. It's not like it's just slamming the whole entire time, every single time. That's ridiculous. It's like, just like everything else, it's like it's a buildup, then it might become more intense and it might then become more delicate. You know, it's whatever. It's just like anything else. It's like there's a flow to it and you communicate. Yeah, you just got to listen to the other person. And, and part of it is feeling it out. Yep. And then as you become more comfortable with your partner, then more things come up too. You know, it is what it is when you're doing it with your partner. And everything outside of that, that doesn't fit, doesn't turn you on, doesn't turn your partner on, is irrelevant. Yeah. And then there's STDs. (laughs) Well, yeah, we can talk about STDs. (laughs) Just in the sense, like, I've never had one. Uh, Thank God. I never not for lack either. of trying, no. I've, <laughs> I, I've tried not to have one, and I, I and that's probably where I stand on that. Yeah. But um, at least the communication, the lessons that we learn, make it seem like it's inevitable. Oh yeah, I believe that when it comes to sex education, the way it exists, there's also a scare tactic involved around like showing sure. you the CDs, showing you the pictures, saying how like prevalent it is. Meanwhile, if you put on a condom and if you look and observe and you check. Because that's the other thing. There's no education around how do you actually check to make sure that the two of you are clean. Yeah. And honestly, like my, my whole thing was like once a relationship was done, got tested, even if I didn't think I had anything. If I was in dating someone, we happened to have sex usually just once, you know, get tested. And I would always come back clean. It's such a simple thing. Yeah. 
there was a joke that where it's like, you know, if you're gonna get with somebody, just bring your STD test results with you and just show them. <laughs> because it's like this whole thing around like not communicating it, not being open to just getting yourself checked out, not being on top of it. And this whole culture around like just avoiding that conversation is super, super dangerous. Yeah, it's the whole acting on impulses kind of thing, which happens. It does. You know, and but it doesn't negate having to be responsible around it. Of course. Um, not to be a party pooper, but it's a serious thing. Like no, you wake it. up the next day, you got gonorrhea. I'm like, oh, great. What, yeah. what is, why is it burn when I pee? And that's the other thing, like, you get it, and then it's going to affect your sex life. Oh, yeah. Inevitably. Unless you're an asshole who doesn't communicate, Thank who you. doesn't tell their partner what you got. And I've had conversations with women where it's like, they would literally look at a penis to see if it has bumps, to see if it has this or that. Yeah. And it's like, you can do the same. But you get quiet ones like uh, HPV, which mm-hmm. on men is undetectable. And apparently everybody has it now. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, it's like the human papillomavirus because it's like everybody has it. And honestly, I don't really know enough about it, unfortunately. Well, it's a type of cancer. Holy shit. But it doesn't affect the men. It only affects women. That's as far as I know. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's very easily transmissible. And I think that the problem is that women, in my experience, are a bit quiet about it. Mm. And I, I think it's both sides, though. I think just in this one particular disease that's all i'm speaking to but i think both sides i've been saying this my entire life that men women i don't care what gender you belong to people human beings don't communicate they are the worst communicators in the animal kingdom we don't say what's what's necessary to be said we have all this ego and whatever else insecurities that get in the way from us getting out what we need to get out Mm -hmm. When we need to get it out. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. I was already thinking that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just we need to take care of each other. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. And, you know, the term lovemaking. Mm-hmm. How about you add an ounce of love to the lovemaking yeah. and just really take care of your partner? Yeah. And even if this isn't your longtime partner, take care of that person. They're giving up a big piece of themselves. Because yeah. it's like... You can do so many things with other people. And I'm talking about like outside of sex. Like there's so many ways you can interact with people. But like it's a shame that when it comes down to the most intimate activity you can do with someone, that it also comes with the most amount of disrespect, the most amount of emotional neglect and all of that. And it's crazy because not only are we talking about just respecting the other person, we're talking about an act that could bring so much pleasure, can bring so much closeness. And then it could just become bastardized. Yeah. It could become an addiction. Yeah. Like people who are addicted to having sex because of the climax and they're just chasing the dragon of ejaculating. And it's well, just like, I think there's more to it than that. From what I understand, it's less of a pleasurable thing. It's just more of an impulse. Mm-hmm. So that's more of a gray area in, in terms of this. But there is an addiction to it in this, the sense of like not being satisfied with what they already have and that kind of chasing the dragon where they're cheating Mm. or just unfaithful and lying about it collecting diseases Mm. whatever the disease of the month is you know they should have like those little like merit badges of stds right just be proud of it seems to be the way they're going but seriously though that's how selfish it is that they will lie about it some guys will play it safe or you know wear a condom etc but at the end of the day, it's still infidelity yeah. and lying and cheating. You know, someone once said to me, like, finding happiness is just being able to do whatever you want to do, which right away was like, 
That's a red flag. Yeah, like, no, no. Like, is everyone... In on it. Yeah, is everyone in on it? And in agreement with it. Right. Not just in on it, but just in agreement on it. And if that's not the case, then you're just being selfish. You know, sure, you have your happiness, but what about the other person's happiness? Now they're miserable. Right. And they hate you. Yeah. Happiness at the expense of other people's happiness or well-being is it's almost evil. It is evil. I'm going to put it out there. It's evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You know, it lacks certain values mm-hmm. of decency, respect. There's very few other things that you can do where you're actually impacting someone's health. Yeah. I mean, we're in a pandemic right now, so there's that. But like, besides that, there's very few things where your actions are literally impacting someone else's health, livelihood, on top of their emotional, mental well-being, on top of whatever trust that they may have towards you or the relationships that they have after, if they find out. So it's crazy because society focuses so much on the performance side. And there's also the other side of like just focusing so much on the STDs and stuff like that. But it doesn't actually have a real focus on how important it is to actually practice healthy communication, safe sex, because of the impact it has on other people, right? Right. And that's that's really the thing. It's like, what effect do you think you're really having? It's just like the same thing with the war on drugs. That hasn't curbed anything. It's in fact made things worse. Same as like the whole pushing for abstinence and you know, trying to scare kids out of having sex. Like, they do the same thing with drugs. And it's having the same reverse effect. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like, if you think about when you could potentially first start having sex as like an adolescent, because that's the time when, yeah, you've noticed everything in TV, online or whatever. You probably watch porn or whatever. But there's also the biological impulses to start having sex because of the biological changes that are having, the hormonal shifts and all of that. And it's like... We need to have a very healthy focus on sex and the ramifications that come with not approaching it properly, whether it's from the health perspective or the emotional perspective or the interrelational perspective, because you have all these kids with impulses who just want to have sex and they're just going to go out and do it anyways if they really want to. And then they have no proper guidance. But then there's also the fact that they're just going to continue growing up with these misconceptions and without practicing the healthy behaviors that leads to not only more pleasurable sex, but also mutual respect that needs to exist. That leads to more intimacy, more connection, more humane treatment of each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to continue this way. I don't want it to be like where then they'll have to like grow up and get to like around whatever age we started to see that we needed to change our approach on sex, our perspective on sex, and that we need to start practicing these things so that we can make sure we're not screwing over our partner or neglecting their needs or putting ourselves in danger or Mm -hmm. them in danger. And it's just like, that's why I'm saying like society needs to really focus on putting attention on the right things when it comes to sex, because there's so much that society needs to learn whether they're going into it or they've already been into it and might not have started to actually practice engaging in it properly, that could guide us, could be a foundation of knowledge, of experience, of just awareness that if you're not careful with what you're doing, you're going to hurt a lot of people and yourself. Yeah, and that puritanical approach to sex education isn't cutting it. 
It's doing more damage than good. It's yeah. it's infected our politics in which like we see what happened in Texas. That's oh yeah. More of the same. Jesus Christ. Literally. Yeah. There's a whole thing about sex clearly is a reproductive act. I get it. Mm-hmm. We're in times where we have so much options for contraception. Mm-hmm. And like we can get a vasectomy women can get iud's take the pill i mean there's a lot more for women and it's unfortunately there's a lot of side effects to a lot of these right. things that hurt women yeah exactly you know? but there's condoms there's know? condoms there's condoms and i kind of see where you're going with this is like there's so much out there that has made it so that we have the privilege and the luxury of just focusing on the pleasure side of it yeah, and not having to worry about the reproductive side of it and i don't think anyone needs to feel bad about that either yeah I don't think. I know no one needs to feel bad about that. It's just so silly how it's all about control. And you're trying to control someone else's urges, someone else's thoughts and feelings, and just taking away their happiness. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, that's why, like, you add in that little sprinkle of responsibility in it without hammering in on, like, all this negativity and shit that doesn't really have to be yeah doesn't have to go in that direction yeah and in some cases is just an outright lie yeah this gets extrapolated even in the workplace where or or even in society where we don't treat adults like adults Mm. we treat everyone like a child Mm -hmm. like a child that doesn't know better that doesn't know how to take care of themselves i think it's the opposite i think is that society treats adults like children by trying to control their lives in this case around sex reproduction safe sex healthy sex and then they treat children like adults but with the caveat of what they're presenting to children as what adulthood should be is a very bastardized and unhealthy and non-realistic perspective on adulthood that kids just adopt and they're like, all right, we're going to do it. I want to be grown up. I want to do these things. And then they're screwing themselves over because they don't know any better. I could, I could go along with that. Mm. There is a certain aspect of the children not being able to be children mm-hmm. in their own time. And I think uh, a lot of how our education system is just run, like how much work these kids have to do. Like I did half the work once yeah. I got to college. I do even less work outside of college. <laughs> so... What are they preparing us for? Just a mental breakdown when we're 25? I mean, I don't this, know. this is beside the point, but they're just preparing us to just be workers. Yeah. But at the same time, like when it comes to sex, they're preparing us to be, I guess, sexual deviants in a way where like we aren't looking at it from a more humane, intimate, vulnerable, and wonderful perspective. It's more like ownership, dominance, power. And then putting the other person, in this case, women, as submissive, a sex toy, an object. For the status quo, it serves the purpose that it serves because then they profit off of us adopting this mentality. And I'm talking out of line here because it's like there's so many layers to this that I'm not even capturing. But there's also a question of like, why? Why does it have to be this way? Like, yeah, there's the porn industry and they profit off of it. 
but it's also screwing us over, but it also leads to the dependency on porn. So therefore they're profiting off of that. And then movies and shows, they depict it in a certain way that's very sensational, but unrealistic. So then that pulls on our heartstrings and maybe on our loin strings. And it's like, it makes us want to see more of that. But then it's like, when it comes to actual applications in reality, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So why can't there be that caveat of like well this is how we present it in these mediums but when it really comes down to it in reality these are the things that we need to account for because what you see on tv and shows what you see in porn doesn't fit in the bedroom doesn't fit in the relationship either yeah i I think all that stuff is just purely entertainment i don't think any of it is teaching any lessons uh certainly at a younger age providing a bad role model and you know which we've already said a few times yeah but i think it's an american problem for the most part i think it's just how this country started i think it's who was here to begin with and um you know because when you talk to europeans if you travel it's a different story Mm. you know sex isn't something that is hindered that is taboo yeah talked about people talk about it freely yeah People do it freely. People are like having sex in public and it's not necessarily a crime. Sex work, on the other hand, fairly universal right. that it's a crime. In some places, the punishment is very severe. Mm-hmm. I don't partake in that, but I don't think it should be a crime. I think it, in some cases, it, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. I think anything that you take that has no... I'm not even sure if regulation is really the right term, but... you That's know, part of it. Yeah, it... It goes back to like what I was saying with the war on drugs and uh, sex ed- education is the same thing. That is part of that whole thing. Like it's just an excuse to using your standards, not values, but your standards, and implying it upon something. Mm-hmm. And you know they call it the the oldest. Oh yeah, the oldest profession. The oldest profession. Prostitution, yes. And or sex work. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you got to dig deep, look at the history of it. Why does it exist? Does it have a purpose and have a place in society? Mm-hmm. And really look at it for what it is rather than just get hit with the emotion of it, the taboo of it, mm-hmm. and then not having the conversation. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is like we also have to take into consideration the fact that sex workers, to some degree, are doing this out of necessity. They need a livelihood and they chose to do that in order to make money. Or they were forced into it then because that's, of trafficking, yeah. you know, or pimping and stuff like that. But, but you qu- wouldn't have so much of that if it was legal. Right. If there aren't conditions that make it so that women feel pressured to have sex for money or provide sexual acts or services for money, where they're not poor, living in poverty or in a tough situation or under the control of some sex trafficker or pimp, then whoever does choose to do that work is just doing it out of their own choice, which then means it's like, all right, that's what they want to do, right? Then it becomes much more meaningful because it's a choice they made to do. But also to like point their finger and wag and say, shame on you for doing this is like, well, who are you to judge? Because like you look at porn, porn is a, is a legal version of sex work. It's just that now this is on TV, on camera, people sign some contract to like go on some room and, and have sex and whatever. But it's not like this is a prestigious thing either. Like they go through their shit too, because it's a very fucked up, you know, industry. And that's what it goes back to like this whole 
perspective that society has created around sex where it's like no let's let's take it back to what it was like it's something that's natural it's something that's part of life it's something that you're going to have the impulse to do you know and and there's people who are asexual who say that you know they don't have impulse to have sex or they don't have the desire to have sex cool that exists too but that exists because there's this whole other part of the the population that does have the impulse that's why there is sexual to begin with and it's like if we can just go back to that and just talk about okay well you know we all want to have sex we all have our preferences we all need to find out what they are with every partner that we have and it also has this undercurrent of emotional attachment and love and intimacy because Biologically speaking, that's what leads to having children. So you want to have that close-knit, you know, emotional connection so that you can actually have that family to raise a child. But then also from a more societal aspect, it's close-knit. Yeah, because you're being vulnerable and you're giving yourself up in a way that you wouldn't anyone else. You know, you don't do that to a coworker or a friend. You know, if you have a sexual attraction, if you have that chemistry, if you have that desire, that lust or that love or that like, it's going to cross your mind that you want to have sex with them. And why not just take it from that positive perspective and build on it to make it even better for everyone? Because now we can talk about it. We can have more appropriate education around it. We can have all sorts of like type of support around it for people who want to know what it's like and understand and be able to figure it out without feeling ashamed or or feeling timid or shy about it and trying to figure it out on their own and making all of these unnecessary mistakes. So if we were to scrap all that negativity out of it and come back to this whole more humane, natural approach to it and openness to it, we can definitely have a much better time and a much better relationship with sex. And it's just a shame that this is the way it's been. Well said. At the end of the day, if you have a partner, try to communicate. Try no, to no, 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 no. Come on. If you have a partner, communicate. Yeah. Don't try. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, there is no right, there is right. no trying. You're either doing it or you're not. Yeah. And that's the thing. Just fail a little. Yeah. You know, fail a lot just until you get comfortable. And you embrace know? the awkward conversations and awkward moments that come with not knowing how to communicate or not communicating effectively or having your feelings hurt because it's such a vulnerable moment. And being able to move past that with the intention of having better sex and having a much more intimate connection and a healthier interaction with your partner or partners or yourself. We didn't even talk about that masturbation, but also yourself being able to be intimate with yourself and understanding your body and accept your needs and your wants and desires and whatever turns you on, because that's part of it too. If you can accept yourself, it should help you be able to accept other people's preferences too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing like, we all do it. Why don't we treat it like it's something we didn't, no one does? Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Amali Mali Podcast with Frank and Sergio. You can find us on your favorite platform like Google, Spotify, Apple, and others. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at unmanlymanlypodcast. No underscore and no punctuation. See you next time.